0: David, you gotta say have a little faith or we won't let you go.
1: I was just wondering if have a little faith is gonna be a five star, but I'm sorry, I got a little
2: (laughs) Have a little faith. I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy.
3: i
0: the power to be. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Perfectly Good Podcast, the only podcast on the Internet that is counting down every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. I am one of your hosts, Jesse Jackson. Joining me in Mr, my sister, who is so close to New Orleans. <laughs> Sylvan, how are you doing?
2: I am doing great, Jesse. And yes, I will try not to be totally distracted. And speaking of being up in the air, I will be on an airplane mm-hmm. very soon. But that's not the kind of wild blue yonder we're talking about tonight.
0: No, it isn't. Yes. We are, but we, before we even get to our song, we have a new guest. We have a guest. We continue to put the call out for people to join us to talk about some of their favorite songs. And David said, raised his hand and said, hey, I want to join the fun. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Jesse, And thank you, Sylvan. I'm delighted to be here.
2: We're so glad you could make time for us. Yeah, Jesse and I are used to the routine, so I want to especially thank you for finding time and doing it on our schedule, David. And I would love to hear uh, a little bit about why you love John and specifically why you would like to talk to us about Child of the Wild Blue Yonder.
1: I would be happy to tell you about that. My love for John Hyatt goes back to 1988. That was basically a time I was in my 20s, and I had this crap job that didn't pay any money, and it had one benefit. I would go in as everybody left, and I could sit around and listen Mm to my music and read or do whatever I wanted to do, and occasionally work, just occasionally. And (laughs) I was looking for new music, and then one Friday, I read a review from the Chattanooga Times Free Press about John Hyatt's slow turning, and they gave it a five-star out of five review, and I was like pretty taken aback by that because... Usually that critic was pretty pretty tough, and I went and bought that. I bought it on cassettes, and I listened to it later that night at work on my Walkman. And I, it's one of the greatest musical experiences I ever had, just listening song to song, which were all brilliant. Starting with Drive South, and then Tennessee. Excuse me, then Tritty and Dave, and then Tennessee Plates, and then Aussie blue Blueheart. They started off; they were all so funny. It's like there's so many funny lines in each of the first songs, and then they got progressively darker they went on, but they were still so brilliant. And by the time I finished listening to to that album for the first time, he was probably in my top two or three as like favorite artist. And by probably by the next month, he was my he he was my very favorite. I did the thing that people did back in the day, which is I went looking and searching what to find out about him, which was much harder back then. I read back issues of the. Rolling Stone magazine in the library. And I read every kind of magazine I could. And I read newspapers to find out what I could. And of course, I immediately got Bring the Family. And then I learned also about some of his old, like Riding with the King. I got that as well. But from that point forward, from the first time I listened to him, I was like transfixed by his music. He was definitely the exact thing that I was looking for. Yeah, I'd been becoming a little bit bored with the music. Music I was listening to, there was, and I think I was in, I was ready to find something or find someone. And that, that time with Slow Turning, I did. It's still my favorite album of his. I will admit that Bring the Family is probably his best album, but I think that when you think about what's representative of his work more, if you want to say, What makes John Hyde great? Every song on that album explains the different kinds of music he does, and he's so good at all of it. And I just love his voice, I love his music I love his lyrics mm-hmm. And I love the bands he plays with So I have been nothing but a Stone Cold fan since 1988
0: Give me a hell yeah
3: When I was a boy I thought it just came to the earth But I never could tell what's not So it didn't matter
2: anyway That's some just- pretty good cred, yeah.
0: That is awesome. That is so great. I am so happy. And, uh, so let's, well, let's get to our personal thoughts about Child of the Wild Boo Younger after we get some just the facts. So Sylvan,
2: you got some facts for us? I do. Child of the Wild Blue Yonder is track number three on Stolen Moments. It is the second song that we've recorded from that album, so I'm not going to go too much into the history of how that was created. But it was released in June 1990. It's generally regarded as the third of a trilogy, what people call John's Recovery Trilogy. And specifically, I wanted to read a short passage from Take a Drink, Mike Elliott's book, have a little faith where he talks about how a particular musician was chosen as we discussed when we talked about bring back your love this was a departure for John that he had been recording with basically his touring band especially for slow turning famously he recorded with the goners and for stolen moments he decided to go a different way and use mostly studio musicians We're having a little bit of trouble finding the right drummer. And Mike is talking about Glenn Johns, not John, and John Hyatt by their last names here. I'll read John. Johns and Hyatt then took a road trip to check out and possibly recruit musicians for the album. They made their way to Memphis to scout a rhythm section, but the trip didn't pan out. During the ride, Lynn played John a demo his son Ethan had been working on. Upon hearing it, John insisted Ethan contribute drums to the record. After initial protests from his nervous father, Ethan Johns played drums on Child of the Wild Blue Yonder, as well as its guitar solo. He ultimately contributed a variety of instruments to the album. So here we thought this history of parent and child musicians started much later in the 2020 era, where... Lily started to appear on albums, but it goes all the way back to Still in Moments, which is so fitting for all the themes that we talk about with this album. Also, as long as we're talking just the facts, I think this might be the largest group of covers I have sent to you in advance, Jesse. There are a lot of them, which we will get into, I'm sure. And I decided to go ahead and start a YouTube playlist that we can share our covers with the audience in the link in the description of this podcast episode. I'm going to set up a playlist on YouTube for each song as it becomes necessary. I think we ended up with 10, one of which was Ilsa Delange, who did an entire live album called Dear John, released October 1999. This That album peaked at number three in the Netherlands, and it was track number two on that album. There was also another Dutch band that is called the Roulette Band that did a cover in 2016. Mm-hmm. And it featured piano and two female backup vocalists. Um, and one of the things I love about that and why I want to make the links available is the comments and people reviewing these covers of John can't stop themselves from talking about how awesome John is. So, of course, that's great. And there's also some Appalachian kind of covers. Jonathan Birchfield was one of my favorites. There was a 1997 recording uh from his album All Points in Between, which featured some mandolin and banjo and I think some fiddle. So it went all over the place. There was also a couple of solo versions, both professional and amateurs. And I'll stop going off on all of that because I think that, just covers the fact that this seems to be a very popular song for people to want to pick up their own instrument and do their own stamp on.
0: It is, and I actually asked that on the John Hyatt fan page, and I didn't get... We got a few theories about how well this album is regarded, but I just don't... I don't know if there is just something about it that makes it a fun song to cover, um, I hope everyone goes to the playlist because a lot of them are people that are doing it live at either festivals or nightclubs or bars. So they've got people dancing. They have people going back and forth. We have one that it looks like it's from Germany mm-hmm. <laughs> because you hear them talking. So yeah, it is and a lot of different styles with the song. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into more of that shortly. Any other facts you want to bring up?
2: I think that covers just the facts.
0: All right. We will be back in just a moment to break down this song, Lyric by Lyric, with our special guest, David Sprouse. So hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute. For over six years, my guests and I have been discussing the soundtracks to our lives. I'm Jesse Jackson, and I've had hundreds of fans from around the world share their stories about the power and magic of all kinds of music. If you enjoy stories about joy, redemption, trials, and ultimately triumph, then please check out Set Than Bruce, a Bruce Springsteen fan podcast. Remember, there is magic in the night. And we are back. We are talking Child of the Wild Blue Yonder, yonder. one of our, we are in the seas. So, yes, it is. We are slowly getting to the alphabet, aren't we? So, David, let's start with you. Quick thoughts about this song.
1: It's an important song to me for John because, remember, I, I started listening to Slow Turning and finding everything I could and listening to everything I could. Child of the Wild Blue Yonder, Child of the Wild Blue Yonder, and then the album Stolen Moments was the first new thing of his I ever listened to. So I know that the date—I think it came out like on June 1st of 1990 or something like that. So I pretty much was counting down the days. And then when the first time I think I saw the video on CMT, I believe it was, I was completely knocked out by the song. I love this song. It's one of my top five favorites of all of his songs.
2: That's great. i surprised that the video didn't come up when we were searching on YouTube, but now that you mention it, I do remember seeing something that was that classic CMT kind of video. I don't remember exactly what the images were. Do you remember? Like, Was it just John um, performing? Or yeah, was it- he
1: had See? prison uniform or something like that. It was a very generic video, kind of like most to Hit, sadly, were. But the first thing that the first thing that I thought when I heard the song was I'd been wondering why he hadn't had like a huge hit. And I thought Child of the Wild Blue Yonder was going to be it. That was going to be his breakthrough song. 33 mm-hmm. years. I'm still waiting 33 years later for his breakthrough song. He deserves it. I don't know why he hasn't had hit after hit, but he hasn't. And that was the thing when I first heard it. I thought well, this is a hit.
2: It definitely sounds radio friendly and especially radio friendly for the time. I think I have heard it played on those quote-unquote adult contemporary music stations from time to time, not as often as some of the ones that have entered and that you still hear. But I think, yeah, and one of the clips that I shared was actually him performing it on David Letterman, who was a big fan of John. And I think that kind of speaks to that it was gaining traction, but like all things, it's we can theorize as to why. My personal theory is that John's just a little too smart for the big hit. And I think that might lead us nicely into talking about the lyrics. Jesse, did you want to weigh in on anything before we get into that?
0: So I'm I'm going through a immersion of Jason Isbell's career. Mm. Um, I'm a, I've been a casual fan, but I have my first ticket. I'm going down to Austin and see him perform live. So I've been immersed in listening to his music. And I replayed an interview he did with Brian Koppelman. And Brian Koppelman asked, why aren't you playing arenas? You've Mm -hmm. reached the point, Jason, you're big enough now, you could play big arenas. And he said, if you play Bridgestone in Nashville, You have to go do a sound check and you play a set. Then you go to the next city and you have to do a sound check and you go to the next city. If I play the Ryman five nights in a row, I do a sound check once (laughs) and the other four days I just get to enjoy my life. Same thing when I go from city to city I just get to enjoy, and I get to change my set lists, and I get to play with a little more. You you wonder if John, either consciously or subconsciously, I just want to make good music. I don't care if it's major on the radio. I want, and he's not someone that we repeat shaky to be a Josh Whedon fan now based on everything but back during the height of him he said I don't want Buffy the Vampire Slayer to be liked by millions of people I want it to be loved by and adored by a smaller percentage of people and I'm just trying to do a little psychology I wonder if that's subconsciously that's what John wants that he I want to be adored by a certain amount of people, not necessarily massive fame. I don't know.
2: It's a great theory. And there are plenty of interviews where he has said things that could make you fall down on either side of the coin. Yeah. Personally, my belief is that he's evolved over time. Yeah. Of course, when you're a kid or when decide to drive to a major city and make your career as a musician, you want to be huge. You want to be adored. You want the set out crowds and everything that comes with it. And then at some point he talked about the fact that he is just famous enough for, for it to be fun, that he can go out to the mall with his kids and have maybe one or two people approach him and say, Hey, we saw you in concert and it was great. And He can say thank you and move on, but he's not. Hindered in any way. Um, but I, I don't know if at this point, again, 1990, if you had been the genie in the bottle or whatever, the wild gypsy woman and said, okay, Mr. Hyatt, you can have whichever path you choose, the huge crowds that like you, the medium crowds that love you or something else. You, who can tell? But yeah. I think he's always been true to the stories he wants to tell and the music he wants to deliver. So, yeah, that can't be questioned.
0: No. I, this specific song, I love this song. I've been on the record. This is my favorite release of his. I, I love all of them in special ways, but when I if you push me to say what's your favorite album, I'm going to say this one. And so I was very happy it came up. I'm excited to talk about this song. Sylvan, you want to take us through the lyrics?
2: Sure. Starting with the first verse. She has the wind as a witness. She has feelings that fly by night. She believes in forgiveness, but it's not love if it holds too tight. It's great. and. I especially love when John puts his x-ray goggles on and gives us his vision of a woman or what it's like to be a woman, which certainly changes over the course of his career from the 70s to the 2020s. I love the images that he's created, and I love the character that exists in this song because I believe that this person exists and maybe she's even a supernatural person, but that it's not love if it holds too tight. I think is great in terms of the idea of a romance and talking about a female character that you have to give me my freedom if you want me to be who I am.
1: Yeah. David, thoughts? Yeah, I think one of the main thoughts I have is that, uh, I think when we talk about his mature love songs, this isn't necessarily a love song, but it's a, that's a very mature attitude, kind of attitude he didn't have when he wrote, maybe she don't love nobody. Or mm-hmm. She said the same things to me where the woman might be, she's commitment phobe, I guess is what it was. But at, when he was younger, there was some resentment toward that. The narrator, she don't love nobody, don't love nobody was very upset that she didn't love him. This Mm -hmm. one, he's not, this is the way she is and you need to accept her for that because that's what she's going to be. It's a very, it's, this is the, this is lyrics from a mature person who's grown to accept, going to accept the differences between men and women and appreciate them.
0: Yeah. I am struck by the phrasing. She has the wind as a witness. She has feelings that fly by night. Wind and fly. You know, this <laughs> you're painting of Pimbers and she, I love that she believes in forgiveness, but it's not love if it holds too tight. The, this is a mature story, a song about the whole cliche, right? If you love something, set it free. If it, doesn't come back you it was never yours to begin with this is love should be a a, that gives each other space whether it's in a romantic relationship a business relationship we i've really been thinking a lot about this as as you talk about musicians that have room to explore with other musicians, yet keep the core band together, because there, this is ways I, I could do things creatively with other people that I don't, couldn't do with you. So yeah, I think this is great. Next, how about next verse?
2: You want me to keep going, or did you want Please, to take yeah, over go this? ahead?
0: You keep okay. going for now.
2: And you can fly beside her, but you gotta go where your heart says go. She lets the bright lights guide her through the rain and the driving snow where it comes from. She don't know. Again, I I love there's a perfect rhythm and meter to this poetry. The images are so powerful that you can just have exactly these pictures in your mind and not even take them in. But you still have the emotional impact or you can start peeling away as we are right now. and just think about this in terms of what it means for a mature relationship that, yeah, you can be this person's partner. You can walk beside them, but don't think that you walking beside them means that you're in control of the direction. This is the person who's going to let the bright lights guide her and that how many metaphors can we come up with? What bright lights mean? The first thing that comes to mind is big city, bright lights. And is she moving from the rural pastoral life into something more exciting? And she'll go through rain and snow to get there. Nothing's gonna stop her from flying the way that we think of a small bird perhaps being pelted by the breeze and challenged and whatever. And then where it comes from, she don't know. I love that particular line. We're not, sh- I'm never sure if he's talking about the guiding lights or the rain and snow that she's not sure where it comes from or both. I suppose it doesn't really matter if you look at it both ways is it, she's not sure where her guidance or her challenges come from.
0: Yeah. One of the things I love about this is, and you can fly beside her. So we've already established wind. We do the fly by night. You can fly beside her, but you got to go where your heart says go. She lets the bright lights guide her as she's flying, Mm -hmm. right? She is going that and through the rain and driving snow and where she comes from, she don't know. You can picture this journey, this creature, if you're into science fiction, right? This angel flying through the night carrying you through the rain and the snow to get where you need to be. You can do that symbolically. You can do it in a almost literal sense that you, you she has a goal where she wants to go, whether whatever that is, and she's not letting that go. I also love the, as you talked about the rhyme and the meter and the where she comes, she don't know and need to immediately go into that chorus. Just this strong <laughs> go. David, how about you?
1: I agree with everything you were saying. I think it's I think it's like the idea of not knowing what drives you to do what you do. I understand that we all feel that way. Some people are more measured in the way they lived and other people just let things the wind takes them on whatever direction they go I feel that way with her But I also feel like to me when I think about this song The lyrics are great But it's the music, the driving music The drums that start at the very beginning Just pounding and howling The guitars are just like They're just amazing The guitar solo that's going to come The chorus which is just picture perfect mm-hmm. just so much. I love the lyric. I love to think about the song. But when I'm listening to the song, I'm feeling the song. That's what I'm doing. It's hard for me to have introspection over this particular song the way I would over something like one of my other favorite songs of his is Stood Up, which is my possibly favorite song. But with this one, even though I'm listening, even though I understand, mostly I'm just feeling when I hear this song. The music does that to me. It just lifts me up.
0: I totally agree with that. This is a wonderful song that that does help your spirit soar, like in the wind. And I am fascinated now, Sylvan, that I wonder how old this son was who At did the drums on this. Yeah,
2: because I believe he was young twenties. I, yeah. That did come up, but I didn't write it down exactly.
0: Yeah, because, and I always feel this way after we record, like, oh, I need to go back and listen to the song <laughs> again. But I want to listen specifically to know that this young guy that John's, yeah, yeah, I think I need that youth. I need that energy on this. That's great. Yeah. Yes. So she's a child of the wild blue yonder flying out of here. She's a child of the wild blue yonder born in an angel's wing. Tear. Yeah. Yeah. Tear. tear. Yeah. I just, that's just something special.
2: It is. And like, it's almost so perfect. You wonder if the rhyme came first and John made it work and was like, whoo, that was lucky. Or if, He had this image of an angel's tear, and the rest came out of there. Yeah. That he had to create the child of the wild blue yonder to be born out of the angel's tear rather than this image of the child first and, oh, where was she born? Yeah. David, thoughts?
1: Well, like I say, to me, this song, when I think about this song, it's just, it's the music, the singing. I think it's one of his best ever vocals. When people... Ask me what I think about him as a singer. This is the song I always go to. The lyrics. I, you, I wish I would have met the introspection as you guys do. I feel a little bit embarrassed by my answer. No, oh, no, you oh, don't, think oh, No, that's fine. Me, I just feel like I just feel like to me this is the song. This song is what grabbed me this is yeah. more than any of his other songs, and that's what I think of when I think of this song.
0: This is a song that, as I talked about, brings me. It lifts me spiritually, too. So let's go on, then. Sylvan, what do we got next?
2: If you see her falling, that's just a little trick she does. She makes a die for the pain that's calling, then heads for the clouds like a little dove. I, I, again, it's everything all together. It's the actual image that you get, which is so clear, and then all the metaphors that you can take, and then the fact that, the person he's talking about is so clear through this. Like, it's not exactly the kind of person that you would want a good friend of yours to be in love with, but that person who seems to be very emotional and then all of a sudden is completely over it and detached and goes off flying and on with their life in a a way that seems effortless, like a bird in flight, like a little dove. it you can't help but be fascinated by that transformation. And I think it also speaks to this idea of the savior complex that we often get into, whether we're the female or the male in a relationship that like you see someone falling or you see someone in pain and there's a romantic nature to come and soothe or lift you up. And then the person does that little trick on you and you're standing there like a fool with your arms extended trying to help going, oh, they didn't need me to help. And what does that mean for me? It does feel like a dirty trick. He's not calling it dirty at this point. It's just. Ha ha. Fooled, fooled ya, And he, do either of you gentlemen have another way of thinking about that?
0: One of my other favorite musicians is Sarah Hickman, and I brought her before. She's from Austin, and she covers a song that was written by Chuck Brodsky, but there's, we are each other's angels. And mm-hmm. uh, it says, go answer your calling. Go and fill somebody's cup. And if you see an angel falling, won't you stop and help her up? And I love the idea that this person is your, when they fall, they stumble. And it, you know, the idea, if you see her falling, it's just a little trick she does. She really may not need any help. It is that just to let you catch up with her. Is that to see and. Obviously, with the title Child of the Blue Yonder, there's going to be a lot of thoughts about flying and in the sky. But the way he cleverly wheels makes a dive for the pain that's calling. You could see the bird or the angel diving and then heads for the clouds like a little dove. Very... And to push your point, David, a very feeling of this rising up, this raising of spirits a mm-hmm. raising of joy. Yeah, absolutely. And
2: we've all done that. We've watched a bird in flight that seems to be making this impossible dive, whether it's because they're following a wind current or they're hunting something. And you're watching and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, how are they ever going to pull out of that? And they do. And there is something in the human condition that watches that and gets an emotional leap of yeah. there was something that I thought was impossible. And nature shows us that it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. Probable. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to go on?
2: Sure. Um She can't help her laughing. She can't stop your crying days. Sometimes it hurts to be having to hold on to a love that surely must fly away. Again, it's that kind of wanting to have someone close, having someone who's, you know, controllable or predictable versus someone who is just going their own way. And you just have to sit back and watch and accept them for who they are. I also love that he says, she can't stop your crying days. That idea that does come up in a lot of John Hyatt songs of, is this person going to heal me? Is this person going to take my pain away? And yeah, mature love does help you through the hard times, but it doesn't stop it. It can help it, but it's not going to just, oof, make it all disappear.
0: And the idea that you can't cage this child of the wild blue yonder. You it is a free spirit. I remember once a friend of ours was in a relationship with someone who is very free spirited. And they were talking about sometimes they wish they were a little more practical would be more concerned about making a choice that would provide more income or provide more stability. And I said, you will be miserable with that kind of person. All right. I think you may think you want that stability, but the reality is you want that free spirit. You want that person who does write poetry. And you have to understand that, our friend was very successful in business, but had an artistic bent. So they had taken a lot of their artistic and moved it into business. And in a very, I remember one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard someone say is, I'm like, Oh, do you think you'll get an offer? Oh, I've never interviewed for a job I wanted that I didn't get an offer. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and it was true. <laughs> So, yeah, it hurts to be having a hold on a love that surely must fly away. Um, to know that person in your relationship is going to have to behave in a certain way for them to be them, correct?
2: Yes. And he does say sometimes it hurts to be having right. to hold on to a love that surely must fly away. And to me, that implies the choice of the matter. Yes. Yeah.
0: I think so too. I think so too, David. I'm going to just let you jump in whenever you're ready. I I don't want to put you on the spot Uh, for lyrics, as you said. It's a feeling.
1: I agree with almost everything you guys say. I think it's about the idea that you're. It's not like you're not going to be able to save her, and you you shouldn't be able to. You're just going to have to accept who she is, or you're not going to be able to be with her. And I do think. I wonder. How many times John possibly went through relationships where he maybe dated people like that, and maybe he didn't respond the way that he would have liked to, and now this is him in a more mature mindset and timeframe in his life. It, because well, that's that, interesting. That's difficult, what you're kind of like a friend.
2: yeah, um, like a recovering or a rewriting history for a therapeutic response mm-hmm. to your past. That's an interesting take, David. Because, yeah,
1: Go because ahead. I wonder. Whenever you hear a song, you wonder if it's about someone who's real. But it'd be too. His daughters would have been obviously too young for this. I, maybe this is something that happened in his life. He's trying to, like, impart. Okay, this is knowledge I have. You, you can't change them. You can't save them. You can either be with them and accept who they are, or not be with them. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that.
0: In our last episode, we talked about emotional truths, that sometimes the story may not be factual truth, but it's emotional truth. I also wonder if this could be relationships he's seen over the years, where he's seen someone have that experience. Like I was talking about a friend, my friend who thought they wanted someone of a certain path, even though all of us knew, no, that's not going to make them happy. And then once again, we go back to that wonderful chorus. Mm-hmm. It's a very, this is a very catchy chorus. This mm-hmm. is one that's very easy for people to sing on a live show. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why there's so many covers that if you're doing this at a show, would
2: the crowds going to get into line. it
0: pretty quickly? Yeah. Because it is, it is a very singable chorus that could get everyone involved. I, that right now is the leader in the clubhouse to me on why there's so many covers in this.
2: Although I think I would maybe just put a little tweak in what you're saying, yeah. Jesse, is that it's not necessarily easy to sing, but it's anthemic. It's passionate and it makes you want to sing, but there's a lot of range in there and some Mm -hmm. sustained notes that for Mm -hmm. people like me who do not come to singing very naturally, it wouldn't necessarily be easy. I might be mouthing here and there.
0: What I mean when I use the word leasing easy is the, it is repetitive chorus and the lyrics are easy to grasp they may yes. be harder to sing but they are easier to go oh okay because two of them are the same line right yeah. so even if they do she's the child of a wild yonder rah, 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 rah. she's the child <laughs> so there yeah yeah all right now we get into a little mysticism you want to take yes. us to the
2: next medicine woman raised her spirit father praised her through their love she was set free and I will not sing that note, but that's another point where yeah. it goes all over the place. totally. from a baby kicking and screaming to a full-blooded woman dreaming with the power just to be. I love with the power just to be. That's what it is. We're not trying to be Pocahontas or the queen of America or Any of those kind of things, it's just to live in your skin and be authentic is, I think, the missing word there. And it is interesting that there's this Native American imagery, which he definitely turns to later songs more. But there was nothing in this song in the earlier verses that would give it that very specific flavor And I almost wonder if he started with that idea and was a little hesitant to maybe come out full force or introduce this character with that image and perhaps get accused of something that would have left a bad taste for some people. It's certainly very very different in the 90s than the mid-20s. In terms of like cultural misappropriation and all of those kind of things, I certainly don't find anything disrespectful about this, but it wouldn't have been the norm for a pop song at that time. Or maybe it's even a, a pullback to something that was more popular in the seventies. Now that I'm thinking about some of the songs of that era, but. I also love the fact that he is acknowledging a love interest. Let's call it that um, for this argument, her roots and where she came from as part of what makes her desirable. How often does that come up in any kind of song that I acknowledge your parents, quote unquote, because I don't think we have to take this literally And your roots, your values and what special spirituality you hold inside yourself. That's what is pretty amazing and what I find powerful about you.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I do think this takes it to the song to another level, almost a myth level Mm
2: -hmm. that
0: this is becomes more than just this free-spirited um, person that he's in love with. This is almost, and you talked about this very early, Sylvan, this is almost his guiding spirit. Mm-hmm. This is his muse. This could almost be the description of his muse, that she is a child of the wild blue yonder, a full-blooded woman dreaming with the power just to be. And the idea of medicine woman, spirit father, Through their love, she was set free. Very earth medicine, spirit, more of the sky, and combining setting her free really puts a great image. And then (laughs) we just talked about Buffalo River Home, right? That Indian blanket and all that is – I just – once again, one of the things – That John does so well is paint a portrait in our mind. He shows us this image of this. And, um, I feel like there is the bones of a great fantasy short story in this, in this song. How about you, David? Anything you want to add about that? And Sylvan, step in.
1: Yeah. I I love. Those last lyrics, I think they're the best in the song. I also feel like I love the way his voice kind of crescendoes as he gets to the full voice, the kicking and screaming. And then that's when the guitar solo comes in. It's probably my favorite moment in the song itself. But the lyrics are, they're, yeah, I love those lyrics. They're my favorites. Yeah.
2: And I was just going to say, this is probably my maturity when I started listening to this album because this came out when I was 11 I can't help but listen to Stolen Moments as kind of a rock opera that it begins with a prelude that tells us where we're going to end up with Real Fine Love and then the next two songs are the introduction of the two characters that are going to exist through the rest of the album we get a glimpse of John's high childhood with seven little Indians. And then this is the childhood of his love interest. And that same person exists through all of the other songs, through stolen moments, through bring back your love to me through the rest of the dream where the romance is coming and going. And then finally ends up with one kiss that, you know, what great play, whether it's Shakespeare or Hyatt doesn't end with the, Couple who have gone through their journey of ups and downs and found each other kissing and then walking away into the sunset. So to me, like everything that we've been saying about who this character might be, if it's another worldly kind of character or just someone who had this kind of upbringing and then bumped into John in a bar in Indiana or Nashville or something like that, but then continues on. So. I also feel like that last couple of lines of from a baby kicking and screaming to a full blooded woman dreaming is acknowledging that like you had a life before your, the object of my desire that I am now getting to know and trying to bring into my life, which is unusual. And I think pretty special for a romance and, this kind of formula and John makes albums the way that I think very few people do. And that was one of, if I had any hesitation about getting on this journey with you, Jesse, it was the idea of how can we just talk about every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order without seeing them in the context of the albums that they were on? Because so Moments*, especially is it's a package. I don't think you can take Child of the Wild, Blue Yonder out and not have a discussion about Still Moments or any of the other songs on the album.
0: Yeah, I think but that is a again, valid yeah. feedback. And we've talked about that before. And who knows, in 2028, 20, we may go, OK, now we're going to go through every album in chronological order because you and I are never going to get tired of talking John Hyatt. This is, I've never thought of it as a rock opera before. I thought of it as a similar to Pet Sounds, an album that has a series of themes and Mm -hmm. stuff. But yeah, this is, it really does have a story through line through that. Yeah. Okay. I like that a lot. Final thoughts, David?
1: I had never thought of that either, but that's amazing to think of it that way. And I'm going to probably go home and listen to it and try to think about that. And <laughs> So am I. <laughs> yeah, because it, that's a thought. I'd never enter, I never thought of John as someone who was more of a, like a, who, who had a theme or, or anything like, other than just great individual songs, but not automatically linked. But yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah good and who knows if i had heard this at the first the first time at 30 if i would have had that but maybe it was like a whimsical young child kind of approach to it i just had the final thought too that uh, again there are so many covers and they're all in my opinion great and there's even a video about someone trying to teach this on guitar which i watched a little bit and then realized We need to find someone who can play an instrument and come in here and talk to us about these progressions, Jesse. Not that we're not very happy to have you, David, but um, I do feel like we're missing some of the secret sauce. I really appreciated how well this song worked from both a male and a female voice. And we're talking about it as if this male character is looking at a woman as a potential romantic partner, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be someone talking about themselves. It can be someone talking about their daughter, whether it's a male or a female musician. I also found surprisingly how much I enjoyed the solo versions with just a guitar, because I always thought this needs that drum and that guitar solo that we were talking about that makes it a pretty spectacular song but all of those pieces are there in the very stripped down version and the emotional journey that we're talking about being taken. You don't need a lot of bells and whistles to take you on that journey. You can just go on the single engine prop plane and get into the wild blue yonder too.
0: I saw what you did there. That was very well done. I agree. I really recommend. It's always fun to listen to the covers, but in this one, especially, I love the different arrangements, the mm-hmm. different styles. We did get some a little more country, a little more rock and roll. As I said, there were multiple ones live where you could see how much the audience is enjoying it. So, yeah, I, I'm. We will include that in the show notes, but it is definitely worth. I think you said, it's 10 or 12? Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a wide variety. It's really fun. And I never got tired of the song.
2: Yes, I would say that, too, that I was listening to a banjo fiddle kind of version, and that's not my genre, to be perfectly yeah. honest. and I like, Oh, that's interesting. And am I going to switch it? And then, boop, John's version from Letterman came on, and it yeah. was such a different sound, or there were two women singing it, and such a different sound, and yeah, I could listen to this literally all day, and I did. Yeah, good, yes. all right.
0: Visitors first. So, David?
2: Yes, David. uh, I'm gonna be the big green manie. I'm going to remind you of the scale, that one is a good song, because it's by John Hyatt, but it's not as good as some of the other John Hyatt songs. And five Mm -hmm. is the absolute best of the best, which puts you right in the middle at three as a solid. You would compare it to anything else because John is such a great songwriter. It's going to be one of the best things on the radio, but it's not quite as amazing as something that's a four or the five absolute best of the best. And then two is maybe falls a little bit short.
1: Okay. First of all, there ain't no way in the world it's going to be a three. We just say that like right now, and for me, there's no way it's going to be a four either. I agree with Sylvan on the half a scale, like a half a point scale. No four point five. I'm going straight to five. All right, David. Very nice. I I I think. When you're talking about checking off the list, is this a song that, yes, I have done it before. This has been like, why do you like John Hines so much? Listen to this song specifically.
2: I very much respect that as your top five
1: songs. Yeah. Yeah. Another top five song is also on this album too. I love through your hands. Yeah. Those Mm -hmm. are two of my top five songs. Yeah. Yeah. With this checked every box for me. I don't, I sit here 33 years later and yes, I know that maybe John hasn't really coveted like the fame or, or whatever, but it just boggles my imagination that the whole world let this one go by without knowing how great it was. Very yeah, nice. I just okay. wish that people would discover it. Discovering it made me very happy, and I, to me, it's a five. All right. Very nice, Sylvan. I'm going three. I. Oh my God, Sylvan. Okay. I'm I know. I wasn't going to say that, but I did. <laughs>
2: It's a great song, and I think maybe if it had been recorded um in the Crossing Muddy Water era, it would be a four for me. But there's something about it that does maybe feel a little dated, and my sincere apologies, because I couldn't produce an album as brilliant as this, obviously, and I think the album is perfect, and maybe that is also why it can't quite get to a four for me is because I listen to it and then I'm like, well, I feel incomplete. I now must hear the other 11 songs on that album or else I feel something is missing again. Maybe that's my shortcoming. Can I say
1: something really quickly? Yes, you may. Okay. First of all, yes, I think this is a five star song, but I'm not going to be like, I understand. And I accept what you're saying. You're saying it's of a, East, possibly, and then you said it was a little, possibly a little outdated or if it recorded in a different style. I understand where you're coming from. I do. And listen, I don't get mad when I hear your I Sometimes I'm a little shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't go at least a four with this. I hope Jesse does. But if he doesn't, I was four. wavering
2: I, all day long, especially as we were listening to the covers, because that also is one of the things that bumps me from three to four is how well it can be interpreted. And if I was the type of person who. Was a cheater and went half points. I would totally do 3.5, but I'm holding to my guess.
1: <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I respectfully really disagree, but I do respectfully disagree. Yes. Jesse?
0: I am tempted to give every song on this CD a five because it is my favorite John Hyatt CD. I do think though that we should be five should be rare and, um, but I am shocked you did not give this a four. I really am. I I stand by you, and you're not going to go three and a half. But, yeah, I think this is a four song, and I applaud you calling it a five, David, because if I had... Not been under the tutelage of my sister in so long, I would have, before I started this, oh hell yeah, it's a five yard song, of course. So yes, yeah, so we do a three, four, five, and it averages out to a four. Uh, and, uh, I appreciate- Thank God for me then. Yes, and I appreciate you carrying the banner, David. This is awesome. Yes. I appreciate it.
2: True transparency. If you weren't here, David, blowing our curve, I would have gone a four. <laughs> what?
1: I don't understand that, but okay.
2: <laughs> I just figured that since you were giving it a five, I could slide yeah. down a little bit. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you, right.
1: get, you secretly think it's at least a four-star song. I like that. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> That's awesome. Alright, we don't have any feedback, because we had it last time, but... Please let us know, Sylvan, if they want to give us feedback, how can they?
2: They can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Perfectly Good Podcast. I'm Sylvan Groth on Facebook. I am also Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter and we're Perfectly Good PD on Twitter. Is that correct? Yes. We also have a Gmail address, which you can find on either of those things, but it's a uh, perfectly good podcast at gmail.com.
0: All right. And David, are you on any social media besides Facebook, which is where we hooked you up with you?
1: No, don't even go looking for me. I'm nowhere. Okay. All right. Facebook is probably about it. That's probably the extent of it. All right. But I'm glad you found me and I'm glad I found you guys, too. i really enjoyed. Just want to say that i really enjoyed listening to your podcast. And I've been waiting for this probably for since 1988 for someone to talk to about with John.
2: I know the feeling. And that's why I was so glad when uh, Jesse got this idea. And we're so glad that you joined us, David. Thank you so much for working with our schedule. And I think every time that someone joins us, it makes it easier for someone else. So go and spread Uh the word that we are not horrible monsters.
1: Absolutely. If if there's anybody who, excuse me to interrupt, but if there's anybody Uh out there who's thinking about do it. They they treated me great. Just maybe be a little bit more brushed up on the lyrics than I was. <laughs> and, and, you know that, just, you did. You, you, there. you did
0: yourself proud, David. We are so happy you just set, joined us. As I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter. Yes, please check us out. Go spread the word. Tell someone about it. We. Truly appreciate you. I did share this as we we're recording this that on Good Pod we got we were ranked pretty high on their music discussion. So thank you for that. People who are listening on the Good Pod app and giving us five stars, we appreciate it. David, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you come back again.
1: Yeah, I would I would love to and thank you for having me both of you. I really appreciate it.
0: That's good. All right. Silva. let's do this again next week. I'm with it. <laughs> all right. So all the thing we got to say now is have a little faith.
1: Have a little faith.
0: David, you got to say have a little faith or we won't let you go.
1: I, I, I was just wondering if have a little faith is going to be a five star, but I'm sorry. I got a little
0: <laughs> idea. Have a little faith. <laughs>
2: I'm crazy, but I'm
0: not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Michael, this you have your tag. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. We will talk to you soon. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> you two are drunk and disgraceful.
3: Hello, drunk.
2: Hi, disgraceful. <laughs> Baby, we can come on
3: home. Put the cow horns back on the Cadillac and choose the message on the border.